Are you ready? I am so ready. All right, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Chris. I'm Rain DeGray. And you're listening to... Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray. Yeah. So I'm competitive. So am I. I know this is no surprise to you. No surprise. And I know that you're extremely competitive. I would yes. like to compete. But I was accused of something the other day, <gasps> which even I was surprised by. What were you accused of? I was playing Uno with my nine-year-old daughter, and I just happened to get a really pad hand, right? I had a lot of wild cards in my hand, and I wound up winning the game of Uno in about two turns. And she wound up with about 10 cards in her hand at the end after two turns because I had all these great wild cards and just kept giving her cards. She got frustrated and dumped all her cards on my head after we played and accused me of cheating in Uno against a nine-year-old. You're a crafty fellow. Yeah, I'm competitive, but I'm not so competitive that I would cheat in Uno. And what she accused me of was stacking the deck because she knows I like magic and I know some magic tricks. And, and you're I'm, good with cards. I'm really good with a deck of cards and I was a card dealer for a number of years. Since I'm good with the sleight of hand, she said that I had stacked the deck somehow as I was shuffling the cards to give myself the best possible starting Uno hand. And she got frustrated and didn't want to play with me anymore because I you're stacked a cheater the pants. deck. And I will admit that I am competitive, but I am not to the level of competitiveness that I will cheat my nine-year-old daughter out of a game of Uno. The competitiveness can actually get pretty fierce around this house. Oh, God, yeah. I was so competitive as a child that my mother wouldn't play with me anymore because when I would lose, I would flip the board. I used to play Parcheesi with her and I would get so frustrated and I would lose. I would wing the board across the room. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter used to do that, but now we have instigated a rule that after every game, whether you win or lose, you shake the other person's hand and you say, good game. And I was surprised that she came and dumped all her leftover cards on my head because she was so frustrated. It was not a good game. And I know I've taught you the good game because we have gotten to some pretty mighty- Fierce, competitive- Connect Four games over breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I've taught you Connect Four strategy. You have. I'm I'm a better competitor now. Oh, because believe it or not, there is a strategy to Connect Four. Oh, hell yeah. And they've actually found that given perfect play, that the person that goes first will always win. And that there is only one outcome that could possibly happen in a perfect play game. And you can win, but you have to go first and you always have to put your first checker in the center row. Okay. I beat you probably nine times out of ten. No, it is not nine. T- it's eight out of ten. Oh, sorry. I, oh, I misrepresented. Gosh. <laughs> I misrepresented my connect for dominance of you. Sorry, eight out of ten times I probably best you in the connect for. I, I win sometimes. You oh, do. Your dominance, I, your dominance over me with your connect for. I'll tell you your game has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, I am competitive. It's a lot more satisfying to beat you now. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow after breakfast, connect four. Bring it. Let's do it. So to tie it all up, what do these two things have in common, Miss Rain? Uno and Connect Four? They're games? Yes. And 
Pray tell enlighten me. Black. Black. I do like black. My little goth heart does yeah, like black. Yeah. So Uno cards are black. Correct. Right? And some of the original Connect 4 games, the checkers were black. True. And that brings us to today's topic. Which is? We are calling this episode Shades of Grey. <gasps> and... I, so so black is the darkest shade of gray. Yeah, but it's on the scale of gray. Deep on the scale, way, way down on the goth side of the scale. Oh, yeah. And the reason why we're calling this shades of gray mm. is because you're rain to gray. Yes, last I checked. And you interview Gray Dancer later on in the podcast. That's the connection. I'm Rain to Gray. My guest is Gray Dancer, and we are talking about Uno cards and Connect Four, which is black. Yes. So very. Work with me. Work dark, with me on this. Dark, dark gray. It's just shades of gray. Okay. Right? So everything in this episode is going to be tied in to a shade of gray in one way or another. Loosely tied. What? That is not loosely tied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shades of gray. Welcome. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with this. I can work with it. Yeah. And I found something out today that intrigued me as well. Hmm. Pray tell. I was teasing you. You teasing me? I'm shocked. Yes. I know you went out for pizza last night. Because pizza is delicious. And I know what your favorite kind of pizza is. What's my favorite kind of pizza? Your favorite kind of pizza is black olive. Uh, see what I did there? Black again. Uh-huh. On the grayscale. And pineapple. The best pizza in the world. Thank you very much. Pineapple and olives. Always that is the way to go. Yes. I know that is your favorite preferred pizza. Fuck yeah. And so I was teasing you about the pineapple and olive pizza, and you claimed that there is a Reddit. There's a Reddit thread full of people talking about how the best possible pizza is pineapple and olives. I'm sure of it. I called your bluff. Yeah. And I went to go look online and and say, no, there is not, because you pulled that out of your ass. Was there a Reddit thread? I didn't get to Reddit because what I did find was that you and Deadpool have something in common. I love Deadpool. What do me and Deadpool have in common? Deadpool's favorite pizza happens to be black olive and pineapple. Boom! And boom goes the dynamite. I'm telling you, son, that is the best pizza. All right, so that vindicated your pizza choice in my eyes. If Deadpool can enjoy black Mm -hmm. olive and pineapple pizza, then I will not tease you as strongly as I have about choosing black olive and pineapple. Oh, so you're, you're promising to tease me less. Yes. Gee, thanks. And when I was telling my friend about this earlier, she understood because pineapple is sweet mm-hmm. and olives are salty. Yes. Pineapple and olive? Sweet and salty. And I guess they're taking the place of bacon. Yeah, I didn't really I see didn't that I didn't get connection, that connection, but... but she was saying, so uh, I need to make you a t-shirt that says olives are my bacon. That's going to be obscure, but I'll wear an Olives is My Bacon t-shirt. If if any of you feel that there's a similarity between Olives and Bacon, by all means, email us and let us know your thoughts. I'm curious. Speaking of black, Ooh. or shades of gray, I should say. <laughs> uh, speaking of gray, mm-hmm. I know that you are quite goth. It's true. I am pretty goth. 
you've always self-identified as goth. Hell yes. What if I were to look in your closet, would I find that mm, the color of most clothes are? 90% of my wardrobe is black. Mm -hmm. And when I got hired to work for insects, the company policy is that you had to be in head-to-toe black. And it was the easiest hire in the world because my natural wardrobe I already had transitioned flawlessly into working for insects. So yes, mainly I've been wearing basically as much black as possible since I was 16. So you have a black little goth heart? I do. Yeah. Most people don't know this. Some of your pictures, you are glamorous and colorful. <laughs> That's stage clothes. <laughs> but your day-to-day... Head to toe black, baby. Black. How black are you? I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. But are you Vanta black? What's Vanta black? Vanta black is the blackest substance in the world. It's the blackest man-made thing in the world. It's actually owned by a company named Surrey Nanosystems. It is made up of vertically aligned carbon nanotubes. And it's so black that it absorbs 99.965% of all light that shines upon it. What? Yeah, you cannot get an idea of how black this was. If you had a Vanta black soul, you would basically... Be a black hole? You would be a black hole. Wow. I don't think you're Vanta black. I'm not Vanta Black. That's some serious big league black right there. Yeah. On the website, I'll throw up some videos showing Vanta Black, and it's obscene because it's so black that it distorts everything around it. Any contour, anything. Like, you know black, right? And you have black things in your life. Mm -hmm. You do not understand Vanta Black. It is the absence. It basically eliminates anything that's put in front of. And it's not a paint that they use. They have to grow it. They have to grow these carbon nanotubes on a surface for it to work. So what you're saying is that we're living in the future and this is some serious sci-fi shit. They have come up with a black that is so black that it distorts light. There was a pavilion at the last Olympics, last Winter Olympics in South Korea that was covered in Vanta Black. And if you look it up, Again, I'll put some links on the website. If you look it up, it bends your mind to see these things. And also some of the videos of people shining laser beams at things coated in Vanta Black because the light completely disappears. And if I were to hold something made of Vanta Black in front of my face, my face would look like it was just cut out of the picture. Wow. It's amazing. But if Vanta Black's not dark enough for you. That sounds pretty dark. How can it get any darker? Vanta Black. Two. What? It's so black that they don't even know how black it is. Shut the barn door. What does that even mean? <laughs> so it's so black that they don't know how much light it absorbs because the company's spectrometers can't measure any light coming back off of it because the amount of light that it absorbs is so high, it doesn't refract anything. So it could be absorbing 99.99999% of all light, but it absorbs so much light that they can't even measure how much light it absorbs. It is the darkest possible thing you can imagine. 
I'm going to be honest, that is a bit of a tenuous connection with shades of gray. That is. That's a pretty dark shade of gray. Well, that's the darkest possible shade of gray. <laughs> so, so that's where we're starting, the darkest possible shade of gray. And it's just going to keep getting lighter from there. Okay. I can work with that. You work with that? Yeah, Are you yeah. with us, people? I'm with you. All right. So there we have it. The blackest thing we can possibly start with. Plus the awesomeness of pineapple and olives on pizza. And competitive games. Super competitive. I'm kicking your ass tomorrow, by the way, just so you know. Let oh, it be noted. Mm-hmm. Bring it. It's broughten. Hey, you know what we should do? What? How about for your patrons on Patreon, we can record one of our games of Connect Four if they want to see me beating your ass in Connect Four, how competitive it gets. We'll record that because if you join the Patreon, you get behind the scenes videos. I will totally post a behind-the-scenes video of me kicking your ass at Connect Four. You're going to choose what game to post. Of course I am. Mm, Please. You would. Of course I would. Are you kidding me? I'll just go in and change it then. Ah. I have the power. It's really gone to your head. Right. I've become the dictator. Call in with some questions. Yeah, we'd like to hear your thoughts on Pineapple Nulls, or Vanta Black, or can you stack the deck, and what sort of man would cheat his nine-year-old daughter I did not in a cheat game of Uno. Yeah. my nine-year-old daughter out of Uno. So, But she got upset and threw all the cards on your head. Yeah, I'm not going to stack the deck. Yeah, I know some magic tricks, I know some sleight of hand, I know a couple card tricks here and there, but I'm not going to stack the deck while playing a game of Uno against my nine-year-old daughter on some random weekday night. Hmm, I wonder where she got that competitive streak from. Anyways, give us a call. We, If you have questions about that or anything else, call the, us, and the number is... 614-R-D-E-G-R-E-Y. That is 614-733-4739. Yeah, so we'll be right back with you in a little bit for some semi-news bits. Stuff that is loosely tied into gray. Yes. <laughs> Shades of loose to gray. Oh, I, I do kegels. Excuse me very I was, much. I was not insinuating that you were loose to gray. Sorry, loosely gray. Yes. Shades of loosely gray. That's what that's no, we're No, Freudian for. slip. Mm-hmm. I'm taking my loose to gray. It's not available for you tonight, brat butt. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you all in a minute. From around the world to your living room, this is Newsbit. In keeping with the theme of today's podcast, which is Shades of Grey, I am going to be dropping a term on you. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Gray sexual? Human sexuality, we are realizing, is on a spectrum where we used to think gay and straight, and now we realize there's gay, straight, there's bisexual, there's pansexual. That scale slides all over the place. It turns out that there's more than just people that have sexuality and people that are asexual. There are people that self-identify as gray sexual. What is gray sexual, you may ask? What is gray sexual? (laughs) Why, thank you for asking. Let me lay it on you. A gray sexual person 
is someone who occasionally has sexual attraction and or feelings, but generally not. So you can be asexual, but asexual says no sexual feelings at all. Graysexual has a very low level of sexual feelings depending on the time and circumstance. So just like it's a sliding scale between I'm totally into banging and I'm not into banging at all, graysexual is on the lower end of the scale, but it is not zero. And I'd, I've seen and referenced people identifying themselves as graysexual, and I was kind of curious, so I actually went and looked it up. Well, I think a lot of people will go through different phases of their life I know I've gone through different phases, whether I've been depressed or I've been stressed or anything like that, where I haven't felt sexual or being sexual with people, even attractive people that I've come across. I'll acknowledge that they're attractive, but won't want to act on anything like that. So, But you're talking about people that this is their natural state of yes. being, not that they're just going through a rough time. Right. Or I'm not, I'm not talking about sexuality as uh, libido being lowered as a result of some temporary depression you're wading through. Gray sexual people are not asexual. They don't have zero sex drive, but they have a very low level of sex drive. It uh, can tie into demisexual where you need to have an intense connection. So gray sexual people are not going to be swingers. They're not just going to go get drunk and hook up with some chick at the bar. There has to have a deep connection for them to be interested in exploring their sexual feelings. And those feelings aren't really strong, but they aren't non-existent. But it's not also that they can't connect with people on an emotional level. It's just more of a physical sexual level. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, that's interesting. I, as we find out more and more, I think we're not even going to have terms like this anymore because I think it's so individualized that everybody does fall in such a spectrum that they're going to have to find that the spectrum is basically everyone. Mm -hmm. It's so individual that there can't be a word that necessarily identifies you and your sexuality. What I find fascinating is that the more we take the time to get to know ourselves as humans the more that we realize that things aren't black and white. In fact, they're full of shades of gray. Shades of gray? Hey, come on. <laughs> That's a great tie-in. I like it. You are welcome very much. Booyah. <laughs> so that, that was my bit. That was my tie-in to shades of gray. And I do, I do find it fascinating that we're realizing it's not tab A, slot B. It's not on, off. There is so many different variations in there. And that's... it. It's just going to increase as time goes on. When I was a kid, we didn't have pansexual. We didn't have queer. And all of that's becoming pretty standard now where people refuse to be tied down or identified with just one thing. People are realizing their sexuality is a lot more fluid. I don't think this is a new thing. I just think that for the first time ever, we are able to have discussions about it. And throughout all of human history until now, you really just had to pick one side or the other. You didn't have the freedom to be naturally fluid. And I think that naturally fluid is how human beings are wired. My semi-news bit, mm -hmm. and I guess we're kind of running the spectrum on what we're considering news bits in this episode. We're flexible. Because it's a shade of news bits. Oh, it's, it's definitely a shade, just like your Vanta Black. Yeah. I'm taking it all the way to the Galapagos. 
What? Yeah. For some reason, it seems like a lot of my news bits have involved animals or the animal kingdom. Are, are you trying to No, tell me I something? don't like animals in that way. Okay. I'm not dropping subtle hints. I'm not a furry. Okay. I hate no judgment if you are furry. Uh, I, I actually would... just did a recording with the trisexuals at Thunder in the Mountains. That uh, episode should be coming out, and the one of the co-hosts is a furry. And I had some really uh, curious questions about furries, about how you don't overheat. They actually have cooling ice packs that you have to put under the outfit, and they have fans built into the heads so you don't overheat. Yeah, you, some important questions that you want to learn. I didn't know that furry outfits come with ice packs so you don't you know, pass out from heat stroke. Well, I'm sure that they're packed full of the latest technology of furries. It's an expensive proclivity to be a furry. Most fetishes can get fairly expensive depending on how much you choose to delve and indulge in them. I would say that it's much more expensive to be a furry than to have a spanking fetish. Yeah, true. You just need your hand and a willing bottom. Mm -hmm. So back to it. My semi-news bit is about the blue-footed booby. That's a shade of gray how? Because blue kind of abuts on the spectrum of gray. That is a tenuous connection, my friend. There's, Do go there's on. bluish gray, right? There, There is bluish gray. Gray can move into blue. That's, that's loose. So everybody's uh, favorite blue-footed bird, the booby. For those of you who don't know, the reason why their feet are blue is from carotenoids. If a booby that is not blue-footed, if the common booby eats a diet that is high in carotenoids, the excess carotenoids in their diet goes to their feet and can make them a vibrant color of blue. And let me guess, the lady boobies love them some bright blue? They do. And there's also a biological reason for this is because the carotenoids are used in the body for immunity and detoxification. So it shows the healthiness of the individual booby. The brighter their feet are, they're not using those carotenoids in their body to fight off disease. And they can afford to store them in their feet and flaunt how healthy they are. And the male blue-footed booby uses his bright blue feet in a ritual mating dance. Check out my health, ladies. Yeah, yeah look yeah, at my yeah. feet, how bright and blue they are. <laughs> Research has shown, and this is what led me to want to talk about this as I was listening to NPR a while ago and somebody started discussing this. They've done research into the blue-footed boobies and they found that women in the blue-footed booby community are biased towards men with brighter blue feet. Well, that was an awkward sentence to say. That was full of alliteration and packed full of bees. I'm sure you enjoyed the alliteration in that. I did. And so they've done studies and they've taken blue-footed boobies that have mated with women and they have artificially made their feet less blue, possibly made them grayer. Oh. <gasps> Oh, Therein lies nice the tie-in. Oh. So the gray-footed booby, when they mate with the females, what they have found is that even controlling for whether it's a good year for brooding or not, after mating with a booby that has duller feet, the eggs are 
smaller sized, lower in volume, and lacking in some essential nutrients. And the women put off egg laying longer if the guy's feet are not as blue. Wow. So gold digging just doesn't happen in humans. Would you call them gold diggers? They're blue diggers? They're immunity and health diggers. They well, want what's best for their offspring. I guess they do want, so they choose the men. Uh, most species do that. They choose uh, the partner, the mate that can present as more healthy, virile, right? But this is one of the first instances I've seen that whether consciously or subconsciously, in the, a deep biological level, the female blue-footed boobies are withholding their best yeah, for the from, egg. From the offspring. So the offspring is actually suffering if wow. the male that, even if it's artificial, even if the male is completely healthy and they've artificially dulled and grayed his feet, that the women will respond in this way by not giving the offspring as much of a survival chance. Wow. Yeah, these blue-footed boobies are starbilly sneeches in such a way. And they've done other research that shows that the children of a booby whose feet are bluer actually grow quicker than the duller-footed boobies, whether it be genetics because they're fighting disease and they can't use their carotenoids to flaunt their blueness in their booties boobies. (laughs) Their booty boobies. I don't know how to save that sentence. <laughs> I don't know that it's salvageable. We can just move on. Anyway, blue-footed boobies, another wonder of the animal kingdom. <laughs> the animal up. kingdom is glorious and fabulous, but I am glad you're not a furry. Because it's 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 hard to fuck if you're a furry. There's a lot oh, of accoutrements that get in the way. There is hair mashed in places you wouldn't want hair. The thing is, even if you have a zipper as a furry and you're unzipping and you go to dock, you're shift you're hauling fur out of your crevices, man. Well, if I was a furry, I would be my favorite animal, which we have discussed previously in the podcast, which is the naked mole rat. So there wouldn't be a whole lot of fur involved, would there? See, here I thought you'd be a bear, but no, you'd be a naked mole rat. I'd be a naked mole rat furry. Um, wow, that might be a first. If you are an avid podcast listener like I am, one of the things that I've noticed is it seems like almost every podcast is supported by Blue Apron, which is close to a shade of gray. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I went there. However, 
Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray is not currently supported by Blue Apron. While we are waiting for that sweet Blue Apron support to roll in, this podcast is currently supported by Patreon. I would not be able to create this without my Patreon supporters. If you love what I'm doing, uh, I know that I certainly do, but this is a, a labor of love. I need your support. I need your vote of confidence. If you're enjoying listening, by all means, please consider joining my Patreon. There is a ton of cool rewards, behind-the-scenes photos, material that isn't posted anywhere else. You get videos, and you also get this podcast a week before anyone else. (gasps) That would make you one of the special kids. Yes. Plus, depending on the level you support, you get interesting outtakes and full interviews with some of our wonderful, lovely podcast guests. So you could see behind the scenes what it's like before you put your editing touch on it? Yep. Yeah. You work hard on on polishing this up. (laughs) And I acknowledge that. I'm very grateful. So by all means, do become a Patreon supporter. I will be incredibly grateful and give you lots of cool rewards. And you're helping us continue to keep doing this podcast. And where can they find this information, Rain? Where can they find me? Patreon.com backslash Rain to Gray. Also, my website, raintogray.com, has links to everything. Well, now that we've loosely covered Shades of Grey veering into Vanta Black and Blue-Footed Boobies, I would like to introduce today's podcast guest, which is the one and only Grey Dancer. I have known him for a decade now. He is an educator. He puts together conventions. He's an author. He's a rigor. He is a very prolific person in the kink scene. And I am completely honored to have him come on today and share a little bit more about him. Stay tuned for all of the awesome gray versus gray action that's about to unfold. Booyah. Would you like to introduce yourself and kind of describe what it is you do? Sure. Um, I started out being a humble rope guy here in Madison, Wisconsin, and started teaching and performing. And uh, that grew into uh, working with Kink Academy, which is, I believe, where you and I first met each other and have done a little bit of pro work, have done a lot of podcasting and a lot of uh, writing uh, in terms of it. And now I run a little shindig called uh, Ropecraft which is a big rope event that goes on in Austin and in Chicago twice a year. And uh, I also have been doing unconferences for about 11 years all over North America and uh, Europe and Canada. Uh, well, I guess it's North America. Anyway, they're doing a lot of them. I recently uh, retired from doing traveling grooves, and I'm only doing the unconferences here in Madison. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing a lot. And I, I started out, like I said, as a rope guy. Uh, now I identify a lot uh, still with rope, but also more with power exchange type stuff. I'm in a 24-7 TPE type exchange with my partner, Naya, and also polyamory and consent and things like that. Because, you know, the longer you live in the lifestyle, the more the quality of it is uh, more important than the you know specifics, I think. You know, you start to get into the less about how you throw a logger and more about how does this person interact with me and communicate and feel. Exactly. Yes. I'm kind of curious because I'm starting to do more travel these days. I'm getting invited to more things out of state. 
What was your decision to make you stop traveling? As an educator, I'm really curious. Well, I'm not, I'm not stopping traveling as an educator. The, oh. the thing that I've been trying to do is ma make a living off of kink. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Go figure. You're it's so kind of funny. funny. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it silly? Um, and uh, for a while, um, and honestly, the grooves themselves were originally designed to just be um, – uh, self-sufficient break-even events. Uh, we started to make a little bit of profit, and so we started giving away uh, awards to educators and also uh, to charity. And um, was still making a little bit. You know, it got to a point where it was like either I needed to stop doing groove, I needed to charge a little bit more to see if I could uh, cover my costs a little more. And we tried that for a while, and it kind of came down to where I reached the point where I was going to have to start charging more than I wanted, you know, the whole point of the cruise was to be accessible, to make it an accessible event that people who can't afford to go pay a thousand bucks for an event could still have a good time at their, in their local community. And I didn't want to change that. And the fact is, is that open space, you know, it's been proven to work. The events have been successful in and of themselves. They just aren't successful to the point where they would support someone. So I'm hoping, and, and so far it's been happening, uh, that open spaces will start to pop up without grooves necessarily, you know, because grew itself stands for great answers, ropetastic, unconference extravaganza. So um, now we're in November, there's going to be the Kansas City Leather Unconference. Um, Baltimore is having a cigar and leather um, unconference. I can't remember when that is, but, you know, they're, they're going on and, and I'd much rather see that kind of thing go on than try and, have to plus quite frankly 11 years of traveling everywhere it's been great i've gotten to know a lot of people but at a certain point i want to spend some time in the home that i'm renting <laughs> so as as an educator i am always getting invites to travel out of state and what is never part of the invite is any way to cover they they cover travel fees and they give you a free ticket to the event but they're paying you in attention cookies, and I cannot pay my rent in attention cookies. Yeah. And uh, as an educator, it worries me the dichotomy, the, what we have set up where you need to give back to the community and educators shouldn't be paid because we are educating for the good of the common kink pool. And that's a very noble concept, but what happens is because that's the way educating is set up, you're getting people that are choosing to educate for attention cookies, for some status and notoriety, for a pool of young, impressionable play partners who think because they've seen you on a stage, you're awesome sauce. And then we're shocked, shocked when time and time again, you have educators and presenters that get a little notoriety and they think that they can get away with anything. And all of a sudden people are getting their consent violated. Where if we right. were to actually pay educators for the time and knowledge they've accumulated, we wouldn't be having those issues. Here's the thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to probably get myself in a little trouble here, is that, you know, the dirty little secret is that not everybody teaches for free. The, as, as an event producer, I can tell you that it, you, don't, you don't get it if you don't ask for it. Um, and there are people who they ask for a fee and we find have found ways to, to pay them something. Um, you can't always do that. Uh, and there are some people who... You know, you pay them what you're worth, and that is, you know, that means the event doesn't get to do other things. There, there are certainly levels of, of presenting, um, but it's always been that way. It's always been a thing where people would say, "Well, you know what? Um, I don't tell anybody, but I'm going to pay you such and such." 
Um, we are very open about what we pay people uh, because we don't want to fall into that. But I know as a presenter and talking with other presenters, uh, I found out eventually that, you know, this whole give back thing is not something that is always uh, observed. Um, but I'll tell you the the other thing that you were, you were talking about that. And like, there's two different soapboxes here. One is the, you know, we should pay presenters more. But the thing is, is that it's not about the events that need to pay presenters more. The events need to uh, charge the community more and the community needs to actually pay to have it have it go there. You know, there's there's really tight margins. But on the other hand, there's also the fact that we need to find ways to honor callings other than community leader or presenter, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, as as being, you know, valuable to the community. Because right now, if you're a new person coming into the community, like, hey, I want to I want to be a you know, somebody who's of value who, you know, people look at and go, yes, I, this is a person who's valuable to us. And basically the two tracks are presenter and or performer or mm -hmm. community leader, munch, you know, type thing like that. And those are the two things. And how do you become a presenter or performer? You tie with a whole lot of people in really showy ways. So we'll ask you to do that. Mm -hmm. And like you say, where you run into that, I, I'd like to see things like the person who builds the equipment, the uh, the person who maintains the equipment, the person who is the historian for a group, um, mm -hmm. you know, a, a person who is a, an artist or have these have different callings um, that mm -hmm. are also ways for people to be able to have respect and value, feel valued by a community without necessarily putting them in a position where they are tempted to, you know, find the next new hot thing and possibly violate their consent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know um i think that there there needs to be more respect for different roles mm -hmm. and more paths for people especially for you know the the people who are most prone which tend to be cishead white males <laughs> most prone to doing that kind of thing true I don't, I don't know if it's a chicken or egg thing you know they say right. you know, i i personally believe power corrupts and i mm -hmm. think that you know that's been shown over and over again and as we give more power to other demographics i suspect mm -hmm. we're not going to see any lessening of um that power but you know I, for now that's the way it is i definitely uh, see that power corrupts and a very small amount of attention in the kinky pond does not translate to you being a celebrity walking the streets mm -hmm. and when people forget that they that i i think that's where the consent violations happen because they stop holding themselves to that code of ethical behavior that they would have to because i'm somebody so i can get away with shit you know, I, the other thing, though, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, we should use the uh, code of ethical behavior that universities use. And, you know, that since we're using education and things like that. And so first, I have a problem in that, you know, universities are set up for, you know, people who are in general, very, very young, young adults, who are being taught by people who have spent, you know, decades going through these other educational situations. So there's an automatic power imbalance. If I'm going to a class that is taught by, uh, you know, a 24-year-old bottom because I want to learn more about bottoming, I am not at risk from that bottom, you know, doing it. So the idea of just saying that, that kink educators should not play with anyone in their classes or things like that is, is I think, a, a false analogy. Um, and the other thing is, is I look at the I look at the academic system, and I don't know how many academics you know, but that system doesn't work. No, yeah, <laughs> it, it does not. All no. and and I'm like. If we're going to use a system, fine. Let's come up with a system. Let's come up with something. But let's not model it after something that has failed 
over and over again. Let's find something better. I, I, uh, I'm struggling to find. Uh, yes, you're 100 percent right. And what is that better thing? I've I've noticed I, oh, in. Oh, do that's you have the scary thing? Here, here's here's when uh, this is going to terrify you. I think. Uh, um, I went to a, a, a lecture. Uh, they had four local community leaders of different alternative communities. It was like a, a blues dance group, um, an art group, a, um, a political group, a, a minority political group, uh, a uh, burlesque uh, representative. And they were talking about consent and consent violations. And literally all four of them agreed at this at this panel discussion that they wished they could do consent as well as the kink community does because that kink community really has it all together and they they wish that they could find ways to model it. So I heard that because I had gone to the discussion specifically to hope to find better models. And I was like, oh, fuck, you know, they they're looking to us. You know, there there isn't somebody else who does it better. We have to figure it out ourselves. Uh, I I don't know that that terrifies me actually as much as it gives me hope. Uh, that, oh, yeah? that that's no that's that is kind of cool well, the thing is we hear about the extreme things we hear about just the worst case scenarios and consent being violated think about all of the play that's happening on a daily basis all across the world and how much of it doesn't result in consent violations we're playing with adrenaline endorphins natural pain-killing opiates we're pushing people to incredibly altered states and most of the time, in a highly sexual behavior with a lot of adrenaline and dopamine flowing, everything works out fine. If, That's true. If we have managed to figure out our consent and communication to such a degree that it is being held as a standard for other people to aspire to, obviously, we're doing right. And when you see the blogs and the discussions, it's not ever... I had a great scene, I had a great scene, I had a great scene, I had a great scene. It's the one time that something negative happens that people are inspired to put fingers to keyboard. This so that's that's kind of my takeaway, actually. That's it's a little reassuring. But when you what, what do they say with Yelp? It's people are ten times more likely to leave a negative review than a positive review. No right. one ever says, This was a great sandwich, this was a great scene. That's the one time where everything goes awry and they find a pube in their sandwich that they're gonna start talking. <laughs> So. I did meet someone recently who um, her top gave her a Yelp review on her profile. Ah. <laughs> um, that was kind of funny. Oh. Like 100% would travel with this person again. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, is there anything that you would like to pitch or promote? Oh, uh, well, I'm I'm easiest person in the world to stalk, Gray Dancer, G-R-A-Y-D-A-N-C-E-R. Um, I definitely would love to see people come into Austin in October for Ropecraft, uh, and ropecraft.net is that website. Um, and I also, uh, you know, my only, if, there, if people are in the Madison area or Chicago or Minneapolis, it's not too far a drive, uh, to come to the GRU, which is GRU.space. Um I, I guess the only personal pitch right now, my uh, my personal trajectory um, is that I'm working more on bringing uh, visual practice into kink. Uh, I started out doing sketch noting and graphic recording. And, you know, have you seen those things like in businesses where people do like the videos or the big, uh, big, huge banners with markers and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to try and bring that to kink communities as well. So uh, that that's one of the things that I think... Um, I think we would benefit as a visual community. Um, 
to do that. So that's what it's my own personal thing right now. Uh, but I'm on Twitter, great answer, uh, Instagram, great answer, everything's great answer. Um, and uh, you can find me on FetLife there too. So I'm happy to, you know, answer questions or hear from people. Um, oh, wait, my podcast. I didn't say that. It's ropecast.greatanswer.com or just look on iTunes for Great Answers Ropecast. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, thank you. We will talk soon. Take care. Okay. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of Shades of Grey. For this episode of Dirty Talk with Rain to Grey, Shades of Grey. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. That was a good You look very pleased with yourself. That I'm was a good one. I'm always pleased with myself. <laughs> I know. Thanks again for joining us. We shall see you next time. But remember, we are always taking questions or feedback, or if you just want to send us something weird, I don't know. Careful with how you're saying that. I've had one person, I, they, I think they have to be from Europe. They've called seven times. They have not left a message. They tend to call at seven in the morning of my time. They keep calling the line, hoping for me to pick up. We don't answer this phone line. It's a message-only phone line. But if you do want to call in and leave a message of some sorts, the number is... 614-R-D-E-G-R-E-Y. That is 614-733-4739. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please check us out on iTunes. Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, or Radio Public, wherever you get your podcasts for whatever device you're listening on. Go there, check us out on there, rate us. Wow, we're all over the place. Subscribe. Yeah, we're everywhere. It really helps if you rate and subscribe. Help other people find this. If you think what we're doing is fun and valuable, help other people find it. It really, really means a lot to us. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. Till next time.